Season seven coming to an end. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Put a Ring on a Podcast. Dan, keep it together. Keep it together. I know. I'm trying. We're very seven emotional. Seven seasons. 84 episodes, seven seasons. Are we going to hit? Oh, we're going to be like just shy of 100 at the end of next season, aren't we? That's true. Ugh. <laughs> that gives us time to plan, though, guys. We have had a blast this season. What a flipping whirlwind. I mean, Dan, we started off season seven with you doing God knows what. You just weren't even here for a while. I was just you... I was just on a beach hanging out. That's it. I know. Honestly, we had so many amazing <laughs> guests on. Then you came back. Then COVID-19 happened and is still happening. So my so goodness, fun. I don't know that as we were planning out season seven that we could have quite predicted all of this. But, yep. you know. We roll with it and we do what we do. Yeah. First things first, what's the elephant in the room? That elephant in the room is this is the end of the season, the end of the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the end of the podcast. Um, <gasps> don't we, even say that. Don't say that. Shh, those are words. We, we don't, those, those we don't speak of. Um, when are we going to be returning, Danielle? That's a great question, Dan. And I am not going to tell you. <laughs> No, so we are going to be, honestly, we just don't know yet. So there's that. But follow us on Instagram. Uh, We are on the gram now at Put A Ring On A Podcast. If you follow us on there, we are going to be announcing when season eight will be returning. Um, We're not going to take too long of a break, ideally, um, but we also have a lot of other things going on in the world right now. We want to make sure that Dan and I are putting in our due diligence, as always, to plan a good season for you and to bring you what it is you need. So at the same time, right now, we also need to be taking care of our families and our businesses. So we just want to make sure that we are not putting too much on our plate and over-promising to you. So keep an eye out on on Instagram. Yeah, seriously. Hit, slide into our DMs. Hit us up in comments, all that kind of stuff. Um, what slide are you into about? our DMs? Is that still a term? So many. I don't know. I hear people. I hear all the kids saying it. So many TikTokers right now are like so rolling their eyes hard at you, bro. Like... <laughs> seriously what are you a surfer dude's totally harsh and mellow I are you on tiktok some waves. i am you not on TikTok? I, nope. I, you? I i looked at it uh that's as far as i got it's meant for me do you know how good i am at watching videos and learning dance moves it's like what my superpower is outside of creating timelines i can do it i'm surprised i haven't jumped on there yet i just haven't had time so Yeah, same here. Um, Today's episode is going to be amazing. um, And next season is going to be amazing. But today's episode is going to be amazing. We talked about a lot. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. It's going to be good. Let's not say amazing, because if it's good, Dan, and then it is amazing, they're going to be like, whoa. But if it's amazing and it's only like kind of amazing, they're going to be like, "Mm, not as amazing as they said. I am a believer setting the bar high <laughs> that we can rise to the occasion. Uh-huh. One million subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is us losing our minds because I've been at home with my thoughts for so yeah. long. Um, so this episode is going to be amazing. <laughs> Continue. Yep. We're going to do a Q&A episode, guys. These are questions that came to us from our Instagram and Patreon supporters. So I think it's a good one. We pulled some that we thought would be really great for everybody uh, and had some fun. Oh, and if you're a Patreon subscriber and you're able to watch this video, boy, do we have a treat in store for you because of how we look throughout this episode. Especially how I look. Yeah, that's true. I always look good. You do. Um, but you took your hood down like halfway through. So it just looks like you're wearing a nice comfy sweater. As hot. My Care Bear onesie is hot. Uh, I bet you I bet you really warm. My hair was really itching me and I have a nice like line across my forehead from the elastic. <laughs> We're giving away. We're giving too much away. Let's roll the episode. Go. Hey ringers, I'm Danielle. And I'm Dan. This is the Put a Ring on a Podcast. We are two wedding pros sharing everything we can about planning a wedding. You ready? Let's do this. Hey, ringers. Welcome to episode 84 of the Put a Ring on a Podcast. I'm Danielle and... I'm Dan the Man. Dan the Man. Guys, we are at the end of season seven. Wah, wah. But but in the thick of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So As that's with why. All of you guys. Yeah. 
that's right. That's right. So if, well, let's just put it this way. If you're not a Patreon supporter, um, oh, maybe you'll actually be able to share some of the videos uh, on Instagram so people are going to see that we're losing it a little bit. But we're having some fun with today's episode and um, just uh, trying to keep our spirits up and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's what we do, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to make light of a heavy situation and smile our way through all of this crazy roller coaster ride that we're on right now. So in yeah. normal... Well, semi-normal. We haven't done this every single season, but a lot of the seasons that we've uh, come to an end on, we finished with a really fun Q&A episode, which are always one of my personal favorites. And I think Dan, oh, me too. yours yeah. as well. So we actually have, this is a bit of a mix of questions that came in both from our amazing patron supporters, as well as our amazing new Instagram Instagram. Because awesome. what, what? We're on Instagram now, guys. Yeah. Me, mostly Danielle's on Instagram. She runs it because she's amazing. And I just supply the pictures. That's pretty much what I do. I supply the pictures and and the comedic content. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Dan is busy raising a bunch of children. Um, some that are his, some who knows at this point. Yeah, but they're just, they just keep multiplying. <laughs> I have a few more minutes of time on my hands. So I've been having a ton of fun over on the podcast, but or on the Instagram rather. So if you go to Instagram, follow us at at put a ring on a podcast i know super original but awesome. it's exactly where we are it's it's yeah. i'm having a ton of fun we are getting um dms comments likes shares all the things it fills my, fills my little heart dan it fills my, fills little my heart love tank to too yeah love it fills my Very love cool. tank um this is always my favorite episode because it's uh you know we 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 put ourselves out there and we try to bring content based on what you, what everybody out there is hearing uh, or what everybody out there is saying and, and, you know, try to keep our finger on the pulse of what people want. Um, but we just love the, to be able to interact and actually connect uh, with our listeners and this Instagram page and our Patreon are a really great way that we get to do that. And this episode is a fun way that we actually get to engage with your questions in a very simple and succinct way and give you actual feedback on exactly what you asked. Um, and it's just great. Like that, that's how, why it fills our love tank, right? Sometimes you just don't know. It's like, how's this episode going to do? We hope that it's going to, you know, that it's gonna, people are going to find it helpful, but this way we know exactly we're answering your question. It's your question and we're getting right to the heart of the matter. Yeah. I have to say, I was particularly bummed that no questions came in about Harry Potter, but I suppose it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll certainly yep. get over that in time, but that said, if you do have questions about Harry Potter, you know, send me a DM. That's fine. I'll talk about it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. Should we hop in with these questions? How many do we have? One, two, three, four, 100, six, seven. Wow. We've got 100 questions to go through today, Danielle. Oh, my goodness. Good thing you're not seven. I'm just homeschooling kidding. two. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, skip we've, a few, we've 44, less than seven. skip One, two, some more. Three, yeah. four, five, six, I think. <clears throat> cool. Six that I questions. pulled that I thought were applicable to more than just the one person in particular uh, that yep. I thought could help uh, help a bunch of people with what's going on. Some of them are COVID-related, some are not. And yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm mostly excited to see what Dan's answers are to some of these questions, so... Yep. Well, why don't I, uh, this first one I think is a good one. Um, why don't I read this first one uh, and you can take it from there and then I'll, I'll jump in Perfect. Uh, my, my final thoughts. <laughs> uh, so this question is from our amazing patron, Chris, what are some great kids activities for a range of ages at our reception and how do we find someone to be the kids activities coordinator? Good question, Chris. And can we just say how much we love and adore Chris? Yeah, we missed them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously you can't necessarily fill your wedding with, with bounce houses, though honestly that would be a very cool thing for kids and adults. We're actually doing that at a wedding in July that I'm particularly excited for. But it is great to kind of cater to the entertainment of all ages of your guests because it is more than just – adults that are going to be at Chris's wedding in particular since she's asking about it. Now, we've talked before about scavenger hunts um, and really kids of, of all ages dig them for the most part. Um, kids also love photo booths too. If yep. you have, and photo booths <laughs> go from adults, kids, teenagers, the vendors love it, everybody loves it. So yep. don't forget about things that will translate 
to that are for adults but will translate to the younger kids too that also goes for dancing kids also like to dance so make sure to keep that in mind but it really depends on the age range of kids that you're looking at we did do a full episode on this just last week two weeks ago time right now is just this weird vortex (laughs) but oh it's brutal The last episode we did, we did talk a little bit about involving kids in your wedding and what that could look like. But in terms of, uh, Chris mentioned an activities coordinator. The great thing about uh, the interwebs is that there are a ton of resources with local babysitters as well as teachers if your wedding is taking place in the summer. Those are two types of people that work really, really great to bring in for a few hours to kind of watch the kids and have fun with them and play with them and just be a good adult in the room. And if you don't know of any local babysitters or teachers, reach out to the vendors that you're working with because I'm willing to bet that they probably know someone who does that or knows someone knows someone who does that um, just because it's it's such a – that that role of teacher, especially right now, um, is – they're amazing people for sure for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Danielle, I think you pretty much covered it. I don't know if, um, I'm trying to think if, if websites like, uh, care.com or any of those kind of things, if they have like single days that you can hire somebody to come out or if that's long-term nannies and things like that. Um, but I, that'd probably be a good resource to check out is maybe mm-hmm. care.com and see if you can hire somebody officially off of their profile that, you know, this is what they do. They nanny, they, um, they teach, they, you know, do that kind of thing. They babysit. So, um, that might be a really great place to check out as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think there's a, there's a couple weddings that I remember not having kids. Um, and it I think it was just a a whole slew of activities, right? Like they set up like a, a, a massive coloring station, right? Like it was this huge, huge, huge portrait. Actually, I think orientaltrading.com has these like massive, uh, like it's like a, a, a coloring book page that's like eight foot by 10 feet, like, or like six, four Whoa. foot by six, like, like massive coloring pages. Could you just imagine setting that out and letting like a bunch of kids just run wild all over it? Right. So there's, there's definitely options. I'd say talk with the, you know, like Danielle said, talk with some, some of your vendors, talk with some of your friends, um, and see what, you know, keeps their kids busy if you're planning on having kids come to the wedding. So yeah. Nailed I dig it. it. I just like always that our ringers are so thoughtful of of everybody that they have that's coming to their wedding this is where everybody's kindness and um genuine uh and and like big-heartedness that's not a word that's where we're at right now i'll I'll stand by it that's that's where i'm always so impressed with our ringers of of how they're thinking and, and how they're approaching it because what a lovely thought for sure yeah all right wanna go to the next one sure all right so this is the question from at that girl a Brooke, yeah. Um, how to deal, or how do you deal with future in-laws not approving of your wedding vision? My in-laws seem to disagree with every decision we make. They are not fond of weddings at all, and my family goes uh, big on weddings. They're really pushing for something small and intimate, but I want my whole family there. My fiance doesn't care either way, but he's kind of stuck in a hard place between dealing with his disapproving family of every detail we finalize. Um, they are currently upset because we signed on a venue that they have to drive an hour to. We live in a rural community, so venues are far and few between. Mm, ouch, right? <clears throat> yeah. Sticky one. Any thoughts on this, Dan? Um, yes. Uh, it's your wedding, but, right, like, all right, so here's the thing. You obviously want everybody to be happy, but in many cases, that's that's just not going to be possible. Right. Um, so you have to find ways that you can split the difference. Right. So one thing I think we talked about on this podcast a while ago was like, was something that maybe you don't care about delegating that to, to the, you know, the, the parents who are having an issue, right. Um, maybe, maybe it's flowers, right. Like maybe flowers isn't a huge thing to you, but you say, you know what, um, you know, we're trying to, we, we're trying to make something come together. We'd like to make this happen. Um, you know, is there any way that you could take care of the flowers, right? Or you can you like try to find something that they'd be okay with working on um, and that they'd be okay with with uh, digging their hands into that you'd be okay with relinquishing to them. Maybe, maybe part of it is that they want to be included in the wedding in some way or maybe they don't want to be included in it at all. But, 
you know, one of the things that stuck out to me in that question was uh, it says that they're not fond of weddings at all, but my family's big on weddings. But what seems strange about that is that if they're not fond about weddings, why do they have such a say? Right. Like like to me, I, I read more into that, that if they're not fond of weddings at all, why are they ha- putting so much stuff out there about wanting it to be this way or that way or whatever? Right. So I think maybe a, a, a more in-depth conversation needs to happen about what what things that um, that you can do. Uh, to to make it work and make this a happy day for everybody, right? I think that right. conversation should start from there. Um, what do you think, Danielle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is just a, a, a hard place to be in, right? Because right. this is your family or at the very least your future family, right? And you want to be, you want this to be a happy, wonderful thing that everybody's excited for and cheering you on. And it stinks that um, that's not quite the experience you're having. And I'm sorry that you're having that experience, but yeah, this is where it might be helpful, albeit a bit painful to, like Dan said, though, is to have, to have an, an open-minded conversation with them as to maybe why they aren't fond of weddings. Maybe they have some concerns that are just unrelated to the size of the wedding, but are more isolated to something that they specifically experience that you can try to find a way to work around. I'd also think it's it's fair to explain how your family does weddings and why that's meaningful to you and ask them, ask them how they feel about you doing a big wedding ultimately, right? Because your wedding is about you and your partner. We talked about this in episode 77, how to set boundaries with while planning your wedding. The two of you together do need to be on the same page and be a united front when discussing plans with your family. You don't necessarily have to have identical opinions about everything. That's not what it's about. It's not about being the same person, but you do need to find ways where you'll each compromise and come together on a decision and then be a support for one another with each of your individual families. That is so important because if one of you is expressing one thing and you're talking about it and you're like, yeah, I totally agree, but then that person goes back to their family and is like, yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. That's not a great foundation that you're setting up. Right. And it's just like a huge place for for problems to to grow, and and it's just not a healthy thing. Now to address the um, hour drive, uh, I know Dan is similar in this. That's honestly pretty typical where we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much every wedding is an hour drive. <laughs> right. It's not exactly a stretch, but that we don't know obviously everybody's situation. But maybe there's something that you can offer uh, to help them. Uh, make that travel a little bit easier is there something can you do a car service for them can you do a nice hotel room that they can stay in for that time and you know pose it to them that while you're there you'll be able to spend more time with your family and our friends and all these people who are coming together to do it right and if you maybe make it more than just like them coming in for the single day say your wedding's on saturday if you make it more about like the weekend and family and all that kind of stuff they might be more willing to drive an hour for a rehearsal dinner hangout get together kind of thing where everybody's coming in plus the wedding day plus staying over in a hotel the night after and and having a brunch and a get together and making, you know, make them be able to enjoy the whole wedding experience and invite them along in that process as well. Because I think I think a lot of times if people just feel included, like everybody, I think, wants to be seen, heard and understood. Right. Like uh, that's it. Um, or maybe it's seen, heard and loved. You know, you could swap understood uh, with love very easily. But um, I think just just by including people and just saying like, hey, we totally get it. Um, let's let's find a way to make this happen. Let's find a way to to, you know, keep you happy as well. Right. And that doesn't mean totally laying down, which is very difficult when you're talking to your parents. Um but that also means like, right, like, like you guys are taking a step out and you are coming together um, as a a unit uh, going forward and, you know, making decisions based on your best interest, you know, is is a great thing. And ultimately, you know, uh, a part of this whole process, but also taking into account that it's it's one day. And going forward, how much of this one day do you want to let affect the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years if you are weighing your uh, relationship with these people saying this is something that they will get over um, in a short period of time and everything will be fine or are they going to hold a grudge against you, right? And I think you go from there. Yeah. This is also your chance to set a little bit of a precedent because if 
um, if they're expressing some sort of pushback on this subject, there's a strong chance that they're going to be they're going to be expressing pushbacks on other things that happen in your life. And yeah. that's OK. But I think it's a good chance now and it's a good opportunity to say, OK, this is how we're going to handle things like this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to be respectful of one another, but we're going to have really good conversations and and figure out how we can be there for one another. And I think if you approach yeah. it that way, I'm not sure that there's anything else that you can do to be better in that situation. Um, right. And it sets you up for a good future too. Yep. You can only do so much and you can only bend so much, right? And, be, you know, it can only be so accommodating. So, you yeah. know, do the best you can and that's all you can do, really. Okay. I would like to ask... The next question, Dan. Okay, hit me. Okay, so this one came from uh, an Instagram follower. This came from at Beth. Uh, I'm going to say it's niece. Don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Beth knows who I'm talking to. So Beth says, I have a question. How do I convince my fiance that a DJ is really important? He wants to go with a cookie cutter DJ from a service that costs $800. I found a DJ that takes a picture with all of his couples and has wonderful reviews about how he goes above and beyond and feels like he's a part of the family. Only thing is he's $1,500. My fiance Ooh. thinks that the DJ doesn't make the night and we can find someone cheap. He's absolutely fine going with a $1,500 one if it's something I feel strongly about, but I want him to see where I am coming from. Help. Whew. So for a little bit more context, I um, I reached out to Beth to see where her wedding was taking place because cost and the numbers that she's saying here could be very regional and could be either extremely low on average or extremely high for, well, not extremely high, but on the higher side, depending on where your wedding's taking place. So I just want to let right. everybody know that Beth's wedding's taking place in Pittsburgh. So if you're hearing these numbers and going and having any sort of reaction we're take the numbers out of it. Basically what's happening here is though Beth has found a DJ that quite costs twice as much as a DJ. Her fiance has found. He's saying that it probably doesn't really matter too much. And she feels really strongly otherwise. So. Whew. I mean, one of the things that we always talk about in this, in this podcast is the warm and fuzzies. Right. And I think cost is kind of irrelevant. Right. Um, I mean, sh irrelevant in the sense of like how much value that person is actually going to provide, right? Like you could hire a $3,000 uh, DJ that might care, not care as much as the person who's trying to make uh, uh, their wedding or DJ business take it to the next level and they're only charging 800 bucks, right? So I think first thing you need to do is make sure you meet with each of them. Um, I think meeting with each of them, you know, right now meeting with people is difficult, but having a Zoom meeting or a Skype meeting or a FaceTime or whatever and finding out who gives you the warm and fuzzies, right? I think that's the best place to start or the first place that you would start, right? Because I think as being somebody who tends to be confident in their decision making process on things, I like have my guard up a lot until I sit down with somebody and then they like I like it when people sell to me. Let's put it that way. Um, so I think some, you know, maybe if your fiance is not seeing the value getting in both of those meetings and if the person who's fifteen hundred dollars is really that much better and provides an amazing experience um, and, you know, like the reviews of him said that he takes pictures with his couples and gets to know them and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that would come out in that initial meeting. Right. Um, right. So maybe I. I think anything that you do to say this person's worth it, we should spend the $1,500 without that person also being on board and saying, okay, I see that this person has value um, and at least putting them in that, that experience and putting them through that process of sitting with, with each of those people. Um, I think it's, it's going to be difficult to just say, do this because they cost more, you know, they're going to be sure. better because they cost more, you know? Right. Exactly. And I think, um, a few of the things that Beth had said in there was that her fiance thinks that the DJ doesn't make the night. And speaking from, um, a mm. planner who has seen many <laughs> weddings and worked with, you know, various, uh, levels of DJs and, and that includes those that are very expensive and those that are not very expensive entertainment in general, but just also a very good or a very bad DJ can absolutely make or break the night. I've seen amazing oh, DJs God, yeah. bring the party to a whole new level. And I've also seen not so good DJs absolutely bomb and kill a dance <laughs> floor and everybody's ready to leave an hour early. So it sounds like overall that maybe entertainment is a higher priority to you than it is your fiance. That is totally okay. I will say that if music entertainment isn't a top priority for your day and it doesn't have to be, maybe the $800 DJ is a good choice. But if it's important to you and it's your only or main form of entertainment, I would say to review some higher priced options. In my opinion, $800 
would be on the lower end. I don't know Pittsburgh market as well as I know our own market, but that's where I kind of fall with it, that the cheapest okay. option is rarely the best option. Now, right. another thing that Beth said is that the DJ she likes has taken, uh, what'd she say? He's taken pictures uh, or I'm not sure if it's a he or she, but the DJ takes pictures with all of his couples. Okay, there we go. And has wonderful reviews about how he goes above and beyond and feels like he's part of the family. The reviews mm. to me is a really huge thing. The fact yep. that he takes pictures with his couples, not as much. I don't I don't know why I feel that way, but like to me, taking pictures with your couple at the end of the night, you're just kind of pulling them away from, from everything else. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I wouldn't put it solely on that. That is just your DJ walking sure. up to him saying like, hey, let's take a photo. It's probably not the couple walking up to him saying to take a photo, but the reviews and and the the comments about him being part of a family, that is that is like Huge. that warm and fuzzy that Dan's talking about for sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll read this one. Okay. Okay. Um this question is from uh, another amazing one of our patrons, Brianna. It's actually two-ish questions. Um, I have sort of two questions in one question. We are going to have a cocktail hour and reception all at the same place without any flipping of the space, so all the tables and chairs will be set right at the start. We also are planning on having a cocktail hour be set up like a game night, so you can come in with tables organized by the games you'd want to play and instead of the uh, assigned dinner reception seats. Have you had the cocktail hour and the reception in the same space before, or do you have any tips for it to transition smoothly? Also, any board game night tips? Mm-hmm. So I actually uh, answered Brianna already on Patreon because she sent this in a while ago, but I loved it a lot because I think it's really applicable to a lot of people. I have done several weddings where the cocktail hour and the reception have all been in the same space. And I think the biggest thing about it is you don't want it to feel like there's suddenly there's no transition between your the flow of the night, right? You want it to feel like they're, they're, you're going from one thing to the next thing, and you always want to be building on that. And sometimes when your space is all in the same space, that can be a little bit of a challenge to get over. But it's certainly been done, and it's totally possible. One of the things to come to expect is that people are going to sit much earlier than they normally would. They're not going to stand, yep. per se, for that full cocktail hour, unless you flat out tell them they're not allowed to take their seats, which I don't recommend. Um, it's just not a great guest <laughs> experience, plus some of your older guests will say, heck with you, we're sitting anyway. So know that guests are going to start taking their seats. So as you work with your um, entertainment person, if you're doing a DJ or a band, or if, if board games are the entertainment for the night, keep in mind that you're not going to have the usual time that you need to transition from thing to thing. Maybe you want to just have a sudden build on food. So if your cocktail hour is a lot of picky foods and then appetizers being passed, maybe those appetizers can slowly get a little bit heavier towards the end of cocktail hour, which then transitions into like a cool sit down dinner. Now, one of the things to keep in mind, she says she's not doing assigned dinner reception seats. Anytime that you're not doing assigned seating, meaning, hi, Mr. or Mrs. Moyer, you're sitting at table two. It's just, hi, Mr. or Mrs. Moyer, you're sitting wherever the heck you can find seats and have a really good time. Anytime that that is happening, you absolutely need to make sure that you have extra seats allotted into your floor plan. Because if you have, let's say, 100 guests coming to your event, you cannot set out 10 tables with 10 chairs at each table because your guests are just not going to magically form perfect little groups of 10 to equal 100 total guests and everybody's happy and has a seat. There's going to be groups of three. There's going to be groups of 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 seven who are not going to have room for an extra three. It's just all going to, it's not going to shake out as perfectly as if you were assigning specific tables to everybody. So it's usually mm. best to have at least 10 to 20% extra seating, which means extra tables, chairs, rentals, linens, centerpieces, all the things, and maybe that works really well. But that is a really, really important thing. So with that said, as you transition, I would just say that you want to build upon the night as opposed to there being like a strict start and end to cocktail hour and then a start to the reception. Like let it just keep uh, flowing organically through all of that time. So it doesn't necessarily feel like, okay, this, this the cocktail hour, the portion is now done. We're now going to do this now. Like it should just flow. <laughs> In the same right. sense of um, as you kind of ease your way through the reception side of things. Now, board game night tips. Dan, have you ever done a wedding with the, where there's been board games involved? 
Mm, a long time ago, but it was it was more just them set out uh, in case people wanted to do them, not necessarily that it was uh, a highlight or centerpiece of the wedding. Cool. That's oh, I did one. Uh, gosh, a few years ago now, but it was actually the it was all in the one space, so it was really similar to what Brianna is saying here, and every centerpiece was a different board game so there was like a scrabble table there was a monopoly table there was a bananagrams table there was like all the different tables dan and i would be sitting at the bananagrams table i'm pretty sure yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) dan and his or me and dan's wife rachel will be sitting at bananagrams table guys she's amazing at bananagrams so what i found with that wedding in particular is that people really liked it and then it got to a point where they were kind of done playing it i think if if you're going to do a board game night theme or a vibe you want to make it clear on your invitations like you want to make it you want to throw that theme in there kind of early on to set the tone for it otherwise as an attendee of a wedding guests aren't necessarily going where they're thinking like yes this is going to be a great game night they're going with different expectations so you want to make sure you're managing those expectations well that said if this is just a fun thing that you want to do and then you have other things to extend throughout the night great but what i found is that the board games didn't last the full four hours or whatever of right. the reception. And I didn't, we certainly didn't expect them to in that wedding in particular. We actually brought in arcade games and we brought in a bunch of stuff uh, just to make awesome. it like this really cool fun night. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, but yeah. How did they transition that couple with the board games and the arcade games? Did they, How did they transition from point A to point B, right? Because I feel like you would need a signifier, right? Like I remember a wedding that I did a couple of years ago. There were no introductions. Um, there was no, I'm trying to think, they did do a first dance, uh, but it was the cocktail hour and reception all in the same room, um, no introductions. And it was the the, the game or the, the mood changer was um, the couple kind of like formally walking out onto the dance floor in like a very like, like they sashayed out there and they kind of made like a show of it. They didn't have a, a, a full announcement or a DJ or whatever, um, but they they that was like the energy change that they needed and that was the signifier that like now things are moving from point a to point b or or you know this cocktail hour to reception start and mm-hmm. people naturally took their seats you know who were up talking or whatever um but they didn't say hey everybody take your seats they just got out there and started dancing right in the middle of everybody um which was you know that was totally their vibe and it totally worked um but yeah so how did that couple move between events Super similarly, yep, we, we basically had um, all the appetizers were just kind of getting passed around. And after we got mm-hmm. towards the end of what would be your traditional cocktail hour, we did um, – this couple actually opted – um, there was no DJ. They were just kind of playing music. They had a friend kind of running music, which um, worked for them because that they weren't doing any other type of dancing other than like their formality dancing. And mm-hmm. they did their first dance and their parent dances. And meanwhile, the caterer worked on getting, uh, in this case, it was a buffet. So the, they worked on getting the buffet set up. So once that was done with their dancing, everybody did kind of naturally find their seats and the buffet was magically open and they couldn't grab their food. So the, the what they were saying? I know. Up? I said buffet a lot, didn't I? I said it did really weird. I know. This is and not the, friends. <laughs> the more I, I, uh, I don't know that reference, but the more I said it, the more <gasps> I realized I was saying it weird which made me say it more weird buffet or phoebe buffet you said buffet once anyway um her name's phoebe buffet yeah phoebe buffet huh i don't think i knew that i'm not a big (gasps) i like friends i appreciate friends but i don't i don't have the trivia on it i am the office trivia person okay oh okay (laughs) we're not fighting all right next question yes um question this comes from uh, one of our Instagram followers at Maria Catherine R. When should I send? <laughs> when should I send my invites out? Um, I chose to not send save the dates out for various reasons and let VIPs know through text uh, or conversations uh, what the date is. When should I send out my formal invitations? I know you've answered this before, but I'm wondering if the answer changes because of COVID. My date is August 22nd, and I'm very hopeful. Oh my goodness, we are very hopeful too. Yep. Maria. Oh, my goodness. So on a typical timeline, your invites would be sent out 
eight to 10 weeks before your wedding. 10 weeks is recommended when you've got a lot of people that are traveling from out of the state and or if your wedding's taking place during a busy time of the year. I'm usually a fan of 10 weeks just because I feel like it gives my couples a little bit more time to collect the RSVPs um, and, and have everything go out and not have anything be too last minute. That said, because you didn't send out save the dates, I would definitely say to send closer to the 10 week out mark. Because of COVID, I would suggest that it might be helpful to start gathering email addresses if you haven't already, or just yep. finding a way to connect with everybody digitally and quickly should you need to. Um, this, I think, is something that's been really helpful for couples who've had COVID affect them last minute, um, just because they're able to communicate with their guests uh in a quick manner that isn't necessarily as formal as an invitation, but guests are super understanding of that right now. I don't think any guests are like, oh my gosh, we got an email about uh, a couple that has to change something. Everybody very much gets what you're going through. This is yeah. this is universal. This is global. They get it. So I think anything yep. you can do to make your life easier on that front, uh, the better. But I still say that sending out around the 10-week mark, um, especially because you didn't do the save the dates, would I think still be a good idea. Okay. Uh, we actually have another stationary question um, that's similar to this one. Kind of, uh, I think this question kind of leads into the next one. And it's from Full O Wit. And her name's Whitney. Hi, our wedding is in October. Uh, we're in Ontario. We are in our Ontario. That's a weird word. Uh, we are in Ontario. You try saying that. We are in Ontario, Canada for context. I can't even say buffet. <laughs> So. <laughs> uh, and we were hopeful we'll be able to continue with our plans. Our list is about 200 people. And while we ideally want to cut down, don't want to cut down on our invites and miss out on having our friends and family with us, we also don't want to put our life on hold for another year while we wait for 2021 to be married. We would be willing to cut down to 50 people and still continue if there were restrictions still in place. Before all of this, we had ordered Save the Dates with the intention of sending them out March or, March or April. But something feels off about sending Save the Dates to 200 people if things may not have to be cut or things may have to be cut down to 50. I can't imagine having to uninvite someone, even if everyone is aware it may happen with the current circumstances. Whew, that's a that's a line that cuts right deep. Um, would you? suggest waiting off on sending any invites or save the dates until we have a better idea of how and if we can proceed or send anyways if it's all normal and we can deal with it later mm -hmm. okay let's take that one that one's all you so thanks dan so uh whitney's wedding is happening in october whitney we are also very hopeful for you as well yep. i think as a rule it's it's best not to send a save the date to anyone that you aren't 100 percent sure that you're inviting to your wedding so if you had sent out your your invites or your save the dates prior to COVID and then you had to adjust your guest list to accommodate the restrictions, I think guests overall would be very understanding if you were like, hey, we can't have more than 10 people there, 50 people there, whatever the restrictions may or may not be at that time. This is what we're having to do. I think as an extended family member or someone who's maybe not particularly extremely close to the couple, I, as a guest, would be understanding of that. That said, because we already know that like COVID is here and it could have its effects, I, I would personally feel better, personally, maybe only sending save the dates to the people that I really know are going to be invited and part of that more limited guest list. Though, again, to be honest, as a guest, I think still given the circumstances, I might be pretty understanding if I wasn't immediate family and, and didn't make the cut. Um, but I, I think I think it's a really hard thing to to decide overall. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer right now. I think what you're thinking and the the lines along which you're thinking are very valid. I think this is where you probably need to take it case by case for every single guest and see like is this a guest who's gonna understand if they if we need to shift things around is this someone who's going to be royally offended if not maybe they don't get us uh save the dates and guys it's okay not to send a save the date it's it's not like a hard and fast rule that they have to be sent out it's okay to hold off on that if you're just worrying about the save the date so maybe things will clear up this summer and things are going to be all looking good for you come your wedding in october and then maybe you can send out the rest of the save the dates to like your second round of people who are in that full 200 or maybe you just wait and send out invitations to all 200 in august as you normally would be doing so 
yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I don't know if Dan has any additional things to add to it. Nope. Uh, I, I think that was pretty good. Um, so I want to go to the next question. This is, I think this is our last question, but I'm really excited about this one because I think it's a situation that a lot of people are probably going to be in coming up with this whole COVID thing going on. So this comes from our patron, Brian. Um, he says, we were going to have a big in the United States destination wedding, but unfortunately we have to cancel. Now we're going to transition everything to a small intimate wedding at my parents' house in New Jersey. What's your take on micro weddings uh, and smaller intimate weddings and transitioning everything from the big wedding to the small wedding? Again, Brian, (laughs) sorry that you're having to kind of go through this, but I I don't know. This is where uh, I'm a big silver lining person. And to me, a micro wedding is so positively absolutely amazing um dan do you have i i feel like you have a story to share yep yeah i mean you know well number one we did a micro wedding together a couple who totally uh was going to do a big 200 plus person wedding in philadelphia that canceled it all because it did not feel like the wedding that she wanted that they wanted um and they did a 40 person 30 30 30 specifically 28 people wedding at the top of the Gramercy Park Hotel in New York City, and it was fantastic. But the thing I, I, before I get into that mini story, um, the thing that I think most people have to remember is like, just because you're you're doing this like intimate wedding or a micro wedding doesn't mean that it's small or, or under budget or whatever. You can it, it might just mean that you have more money. Maybe you have like a, a similar budget as if you had you know. 200 people there, but you're spending it on 20 people or 30 people, right? Maybe you can give them more of an experience in this tiny, small, intimate wedding than just saying like, oh, I'm just gonna have a small wedding. I'm not gonna do anything crazy, right? Maybe you can still have this like extravagant, beautiful thing that you've always dreamed of with just a very close-knit, small group of people. Um, So I have a, uh, I heard of a a couple who, um, their wedding was supposed to be at Disney, and uh, unfortunately, with everything going on, Disney had to they had to cancel. Disney had to cancel on them. All this stuff, blah blah blah, was very difficult for for them. And so they're doing um, a wedding also at her parents' house. And they are it's a, like you said a silver lining thing. They are taking this experience while heartbreaking because this is something she's always wanted to have this Disney wedding. Um, and they are just injecting it with meeting as, as many ways as possible, right? They're having it at her parents' house. They're going to a restaurant that they love and they go to all the time. They're um, inviting a slightly more, uh, a slightly larger group of people than they would have been able to take to Disney. Um, they are uh, trying to find like little ways that they can, um, you know, make this whole experience their own and, and just inject as much meaning as possible, right? Um, and I think that, that is a, a really beautiful way of kind of standing up to this whole COVID thing that's happening. And I think this is a position that a lot of people are going to be in where, you know, who knows what happens with their actual wedding and maybe maybe who knows what happens, you know, with the future weddings, hopefully September, October, November, December, everything goes back to normal. But know that like if your wedding got canceled or rescheduled, that transitioning from this big wedding, I'll maybe I'll leave some of the logistics up to you, Danielle, because that's, you know what you naturally think about. Um, but I think, um, you know, just because it, you don't have the 200 person thing moving down to this like 30 highly selected group of people. And I know Danielle, you're, you're kind of in the same boat too, with like wanting to have a micro wedding, just like the people who literally mean the most to you, who are the closest to you, that you can create an amazing experience for them and get to spend and this is, the, this is the hardest part about our wedding is like we had, you know, 150 people at our wedding and me being um, an extreme empath and also an extreme extrovert. I wanted to say hi to everybody. But in some ways, part of me really believes like what if I what if we did have a small wedding with like 40 people or whatever and I got to actually spend time with each of those people and hug on them and love on them. And like, I don't know, um, you know, it's, it's a it's a constant thing. I think if, if I were to. Um, ha- be in everybody else's shoes to have to reschedule to this like small thing. I would look for ways to make it like to pour into the people's lives who are coming, right? Like, like uh, I naturally want to be a giver. And I think most people, you know, everybody's feeling this like kind of heaviness that's going on right now. So what's, what better opportunity to like, if you can bring people together than to really lift them up and have an amazing meal together and, and a fun time where like for, 
you know, I, everybody's dealing with this differently, but like a night where maybe, maybe just for a little bit, you forget about all the craziness and millions of people who have this disease right now. And you can dance and party and get drunk and drink and have an awesome food and hug. Well, maybe you're not hugging, but you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But like, but like what an amazing opportunity that you still get to have and that you can still create this meaningful experience and that's going to look different for everybody right um you know maybe having it at your parents house is not the best idea but um you know definitely something to consider uh is is making this like shift from this big thing uh to something small and intimate and meaningful and finding meaning in a difficult time for sure this is definitely an opportunity for you to take this and and figure out how it's going to work best for you. I can promise you that there are so many couples who do big weddings who look back and go, gosh, I just wish we did something smaller. So look at this as an opportunity to sort of take a step back, uh, refocus on what it is and why you are doing this. And I think that there are so many opportunities to find joy and and get excited for that. I think it is fair to mourn the loss of your initial plan of your wedding. I think that is totally okay. And then I think you're going to go through different stages and you're eventually hopefully going to get to a place where you are really happy and excited to plan this new event and figure out how to make it so amazing and special for these people around you. As Dan said, I am going to be having my own micro wedding. I guess Mike is too. I should probably invite him, sure. and, you know, tell him. But <laughs> he, him and I are are definitely planning um, this micro wedding. And to me, it is so wonderful and so special. And we're so excited to figure out how we can make this amazing experience for our most favorite people on the planet. But it's very much about our mindset. If we were like bummed about it and and like, oh, well, we have to do this thing, I think we'd be taking it on a, a lot differently. So mindset here is so important. But know that just because something is on the smaller side does not mean that it's going to be any less anything, okay? Like it doesn't mean that it's going to be less special. The day you get married to your partner, and even if it is just the two of you, look at how many people elope. It is a beautiful, oh, yeah. wonderful, special thing and hopefully a memory that will you will carry through your entire life. There are people who, I, actually I can speak for this, my parents got married at, in the courthouse with the justice of the peace and that is still one of the happiest days of their lives because it meant a lot to them because of what it meant to them. Not because of where they were or what she wore or what he did or, or the boutonniere, it, it didn't mean any of that didn't mean anything to them it was just about their partnership together and their yeah. journey forward from that and i mean granted that was the 80s so you know is my mom wore a hot pink little dress and it was this <laughs> whole cute thing but they will be married gosh 83 they got married so they'll be celebrating their 37th anniversary wow. this wow. year in september so yeah it's it, it the bigger the wedding it's not like the longer the marriage it has nothing to do with that it, it is if anything, you could probably make the argument the other way, but it's it's a wonderful thing. And I think the more we see micro weddings, um, actually I should say the more that we look to the future and I think our, uh, we're going to sort of establish a new normal, I kind yeah. of hope that we see more micro weddings. I love being part of micro weddings. I love helping couples plan micro weddings. To me, they are so meaningful. I love going through that process with them. Um, I know, Dan, you love shooting micro weddings. So I think it's safe to say that logistically, your vendors are still going to be excited to contribute and take part by and large. Yeah, I. Um, this is something that you know. Obviously, Danielle and I have a uh, a unique perspective on because we hear about couples in all different situations and everything. Um, you know, we Danielle and I both kind of realize that things are happening very quickly, and so we both have you know adjusted some package lists and created uh, very specific packages and and coverage options for couples who are doing these micro weddings just to be able to help people out. Right? Sorry for the shameless plug. I guess that kind of sounded like that, but you know, still, it's uh, you know, we're it's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> That's right. You know, we, we both have a very personal approach towards, uh, you know, helping our couples, you know, plan their wedding and being kind of along for the journey, not just the wedding day. Um, and I think it'd be doing a massive disservice if if we didn't say if we didn't honor more couples who are going to be in this unique situation by offering them, you know, kind of a specialized experience. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, if you want more, actually, I don't think we mentioned this, but episode 62, we actually have a full episode with the amazing Alisa Tong, um, who's a, an amazing celebrant. Um, she uh, uh, she came on with us on episode 62 and did a, a really amazing um, uh, episode of, about micro weddings and uh, how you can make the most out of them and how you can find meaning in them. It's really great. Yeah. So actually, um, I want to give uh, not not sponsored here, but a, a totally a total plug for Elisa. She actually is um, an officiant, a celebrant specifically. And in the state of Pennsylvania, it is technically and legally tricky to have a friend perform your wedding, unlike some of your other states. But either way, she actually put together a course over these last few months for those who are who are going to be officiating weddings who are friends and she put together this course that is about um, how to put to, how to write the ceremony how to perform it really well and then how to make it legal it's an amazing course uh, and I just want to give a shout out to her because she put a lot into putting it together and it's the wedding ceremony masterclass.com uh, if you go there you can you can read more and see more about it but it'd be something that your officiant would want to go and do if it's something that you're having a friend do for you so again not an ad cool. just she's a person we've had on the show before and I know she's doing that. So, yeah, shall we wrap up this episode? Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast and another season. Before we wrap this up, we want to take a moment to give a huge shout out and virtual high five to our Patreon supporters. Guys, your encouragement means the world to us, and we're still just constantly blown away by your generosity. Did anybody else hear that sound that Danielle made for the high five? Fakink. <laughs> uh, so if you want to join our amazing, fabulous community of ringers and help us reach our goals for the show, check out patreon.com uh, slash P-A-R-O-I. There are tons of different options starting at just two bucks a month. If you find any uh, uh, joy, any um, bits of uh, understanding and and find any good tidbits from this, um, you can head over there and, and support us and get things like video recordings, hangouts with the two of us, uh, and have your questions answered as well. Yep. Now, another way you can support our show is to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast in iTunes or wherever you enjoy podcasts. This really helps us so much, like this review that we recently got on iTunes. They said, I really enjoy this podcast and find myself taking a lot of notes for my wedding. The hosts oh. have a great rapport and they offer balanced but useful advice. Also, guys, Dan's going to love this. Also, one of the hosts is a photographer and it is really great to get his perspective. <laughs> And we made Dan's head just a little bit bigger. I do not have a big head. It's actually pretty small. Um, if you want some more details on anything that we talked about on this show, if you want to um, connect with us a little bit more, head to uh, or anything that we talked about in today's episode, uh, you can find the show notes at putaringonitpodcast.com. And of course, you are more than welcome to connect with us on the gram at putaringonitpodcast. Yes, guys, we've been loving all of your comments, likes, DMs, saves, shares. You guys are the best. And friends, remember, we are here to help you. But no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing. Because you rock. Until next season, ringers. We'll see you soon. Stay safe, guys. 